0: Hey everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to yet another edition of the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast. Before we get into the show, let me remind you that you can support this program by heading on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Again, TakePoliticsSeriously.com. That's where you can get to our Patreon. Support the show. Get a bonus episode on Monday. Get a bonus episode on Friday. The $3 club has never been more popping. Go ahead and join it right now. Take Politics Seriously. Dot com. And a reminder that we have a great interview episode out already in the feed. Go ahead and check it out. It is with my buddy Colin Dabkowski. He's the art critic for the Buffalo News. We went through a, a bunch of the candidates' playlists. You can find those playlists at uh, my web zone, politicspoliticspolitics.com. Listen to the episode, listen to the playlist, and Scratch your head as to why every single one of these candidates are apparently gigantic Lizzo fans. All right. Now for talking about how we support the show, what do you say we just do the damn thing? I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed. I'm very, very cheesed off. Not that you're listening. I love that you're listening. Welcome to the politics, politics, politics show. My name is Justin Robert Young. I'm annoyed. I'm upset. I made three lead pipe lock predictions for last night's debate. Three lead pipe lock predictions. You can get my full immediate reactions that's already in the feed right now, but Before the debates happened, I made three lead pipe lock, lead pipe lock predictions. And they all came true. Each and every one of them. They just didn't come true with the people that I said they were going to come true with. Ah. Oh, I'm so annoyed at some of the people that disappointed me. I'm annoyed with the people that didn't do what I had foreseen them to do because the things that they decided to do otherwise were insanely stupid. Now, they are commensurate with people that I now personally dislike, and I dislike them as candidates. I I dislike them as people. I've realized now that the game of predictions only breeds resentment. Because I out and out resent some of these candidates. Let's go through what my predictions were for last night. And through them, I will let you know what my second day thoughts are on the debate in Detroit. Here was the first. I believed that we were getting a sneak diss. Not an out and out diss. Not any kind of fireworks. Not any kind of blows. But a sneak diss from Elizabeth Warren to Bernie Sanders. I did this for a few reasons. As you uh, well know, dear listeners of the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast, I have foreseen a coming war between Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Uh, It will eventually happen, I'm sure of it. But I thought we might see just a little crack. Just a little crack between the two. The the non-aggression pact, the love fest between those two. I figured maybe we would see a little bit. And indeed, we did see a sneak diss between the two of them, but it was Bernie Sanders to Elizabeth Warren. As he said, I also have a plan for something. Kind of a funny little line, but it is a little bit of a dig of like, hey, lady, just because you have a medium account doesn't mean you have a monopoly on ideas. But by and large, they were certainly very active. They were punching, but it wasn't against each other. They were double dragons. Uh, uh, the, the goons that were dispatched toward them and were absolutely eliminated immediately like putties in Power Rangers were the desperate moderates. These are guys that probably won't see another debate stage again and desperately assumed that the only way that they could stay on the debate stage was to be a viable moderate answer if you don't like Joe Biden. So what do you do? Well, you attack the two leading progressives. Now, I thought I knew. I don't know why I went full Rush Limbaugh there. I thought that I knew exactly who the non-socialist candidate would be. I did. Snurdly, I know. I know. I assumed that it would be Amy Klobuchar. I honestly thought she was going to go and define herself. Look, she's she's kind of a middle of the pack candidate right now. And we have watched two female candidates kind of ascend themselves uh, into the stratosphere. Uh, Amy Klobuchar still languishing amongst the one to two percent qualifiers. There's a question on whether or not she's going to be able to 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 qualify for debates going forward, whether it be this debate floor or the next. She really needs something. She needs to differentiate herself. I assumed that all these other dudes, all these other dudes doing it, it would not have meant as much as if Klobuchar did it. Honestly, I felt that that was the move for her. She did not take it. Literally, everybody else on stage took it. She did not take it. So there was the second of my lead pipe locks. And and I, I'm going to say right now, I'm annoyed. I am annoyed with Amy Klobuchar. I honestly don't know what the point of her candidacy is going to be. Because you can go out there and say... I'm Midwestern. I'm Midwestern. Midwestern values. I go and talk to the people when they need to be talked to. Do I think the Medicare for all is the best idea? No, but but uh, I'm gonna go out there. like, but she didn't even say it like that. She doesn't even have a pointed policy position. She literally is just saying, I'm from the Midwest. Well, then speak to the people that are in the Midwest, Amy. Amy? Speak to the people like when you say Midwest, when you say Rust Belt, what are you really talking about? You're talking about Obama to Trump voters. You're talking about the fact that Ohio went to Trump. You're talking about the fact that Michigan went to Trump. That's what you're talking about. You're talking about people who buy kid rock records, Amy. So if you're talking to those people, then what do they want to hear about? In my mind, uh, uh, they are people that probably are not super into the idea of losing their private health insurance. A- and Tim Ryan did a fairly good job of spelling out exactly why. That a lot of these people are, are part of very, very powerful unions like the auto workers union. So you can tell them, hey, look, I swear to God, Medicare for all is going to be the best But if you're talking about taking away private health insurance, then you're telling them that there's going to be, at the very least, a disruption in their coverage. Even if you believe that Medicare for all is a slam dunk and it's absolutely going to be better than any kind of private insurance that could be negotiated, then you have to at least admit that it's going to be a disruption. You have to at least speak to those fears. I don't know why Amy Klobuchar is running for president. I don't. And I pay a lot of attention to this. God forbid you're just somebody that turned on the television because they heard there were a bunch of politicians arguing. I have no idea what you would latch on to. I have no idea what your issues are. I have no idea why you are running for president. I would say you are the most why candidate on that stage, Amy, if it weren't for the fact that you were sharing a stage with Beto O'Rourke. You can't spell Beto without the Y. He was my third prediction. And this was a little bit of a shot in the dark. I didn't know exactly where we were going with this one. I didn't know exactly what was going to happen. But I assumed that Beto was going to do the dumbest possible thing on stage. Because he's a bad candidate. He's not good at running for president. And so faced with a campaign in turmoil at a moment where he needed to prove himself on a stage uh, uh, that he had previously damaged his campaign like he did in Miami, what would Beto O'Rourke do? Well, if you're selling him short like I am, then you are assuming the dumbest possible thing. And what I assume the dumbest possible thing would be is to look at the fact that Eric Swalwell, the former uh, candidate, uh, a representative from California who ran on an anti-gun control, or an anti-gun, a pro-gun control single-issue campaign, he's out of the race. So, what do you do? Well, if you're Beto and you're totally short-sighted, you double down on gun control. You say, now I'm the gun control candidate, and maybe a little cynically you understand the fact that with the Gilroy-Garlic shooting, that you have something that is out there in the news cycle that you can be the champion of. You propose some hilariously unrealistic, a policy goal and you move forward. I assumed that was going to be the issue that he would double down on. Instead, he doubled down on two issues. One more laughable than the last. The first was kind of where I thought the gun control thing would come from, which is reparations. Beto O'Rourke, gangly white guy, the guardian of reparations. Now, almost immediately, he got blown out of the water on this because he proposed... Starting a, you know, a study to investigate a action committee to uh, maybe eventually draw up a PowerPoint that would propose possible reparations in the future within the next 50 to 100 years. And then Marianne Williamson was the next one to speak. And she said, hell no, when I'm president, which is never, "Uh, we're going to issue up to, I think it was like 500 million 500 billion uh, worth of reparations immediately, and I'm doing that on the basis of uh, if we were to guess or if we were to estimate how many 40-acre and a mule portions we would be giving to all of the freed slaves post the Civil War, then that's what we're we're going to do, it, an amalgamation of that. So not only did, did Beto double down on something that I don't think He really has a base for, I don't think really the core people that would be excited about the idea of Beto are really excited about, but then he immediately got blown out of the water on it. Like, the point of doubling down on something is that you stake out a corner that nobody else is willing to go as far as you on, and within seconds, somebody went further than him. So, good job by you. The second is this. Beto O'Rourke pushed electability. Electability. From Beto O'Rourke. He waited until now. He waited until last night. July 30th. Months after he announced. A month since he has fallen from grace. He waited until then. Until then. To say I'm laying down the gauntlet right here and right now. Texas is in play. This is something that he should have said in that stupid self serving Vanity Fair article. It should have been something that he tattooed on his forehead. That dude should look like Post Malone with the amount of electoral votes that are in Texas that he would guarantee that he could bring home for the Democratic Party heretofore redrawing the map for any future presidential election. That's what he should have done, but he waited until last night. Last night. Beto. Oh my God. Look, here's the deal. Politics are about narratives and here's what the narrative was last night. All the last chance desperation moderates ganged up, tried to take down Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders teamed up, punched back, and now none of those dudes are going to be on stage during the next debate. So what do you think the story is going to be? Progressives won. They took down every moderate that stepped up to them. Bullock, Ryan, Hickenlooper, Delaney, there is an ideological war going on for the Democratic Party. This is a fairly large ideological shift. You're talking about things like uh, swearing that the United States will never launch a nuclear weapon, ending private health insurance. Even if you think these are the right paths, they are different. You need to prove that you are somebody that the average Democratic voter can support. And for that, you need to eliminate those who think that's wrong. If you are Elizabeth and you are Bernie, then quite simply... Do you need all four to end the war? And since they're going to be on stage next time and those four aren't, I would say... Ooh, that's a bingo! Politics! Thank you to everybody who has been keeping us alive and well on the free political newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com. We're making our way through the 1900s. We are uh, just about to crest through World War II, which is possibly why I had inglorious Bastards on the brain. We're trying to get into the 1950s, trying to get into Eisenhower and then dare to dream Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon. Come on, people. We can put it together. It can be a good time. Let your friends know. If you are enjoying our debate coverage, then this is the time to forward along the free political newsletter to a friend. Let them know that they can sign up with that link right there at the top. Free political newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com. Politics! All right, you want my lead pipe locks for tonight? Here are my lead pipe locks for tonight. Number one, Andrew Yang breaks the fourth wall. I think that last time I, I, my, my prediction was that Andrew Yang would become uh, take his first steps to becoming a folk hero. I feel like we are well on the way this time. I think he is more prepared to to try to maximize whatever footprint he is given. Uh, I think if you look at how Marianne Williamson was treated l- last night, uh, where she was given a lot more time. She was allowed to kind of uh, go and expound A lot more than she was in the first debate I think that's what we're going to get for Andrew Yang And I think there's going to be a moment There's going to be a very talked about moment A very dark psychic energy-esque kind of moment For Andrew Yang I believe that Joe Biden Will have a moment wherein spiritually he exudes Allow me to reintroduce myself My name is Joe Amtrak Biden Joe Biden knows he has some ground to make up. He knows he got clocked by Kamala Harris and he knows that he reacted really poorly to it. But here's what he also knows. After about a two week free fall where Kamala and Elizabeth Warren were kind of elevated, Joe's poll numbers stabilized. So people like Joe Biden. What they don't like is Joe Biden seeming old, feeble and eroding his electability. So I don't think we're going to see regular old Grandpa Joe. I do think that we are going to see... uh, Let me reintroduce myself. I think he is going to be aggressive about a civil rights record. I think he's going to be aggressive about why he is different than his opponents. I think that we are going to see a a bunch of stuff, malarkey Joe Biden. We're going to see a 2012 VP debate Joe Biden. That's who we're going to see tonight. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Joe. And finally, there will be some stray bullets fired. I don't really have a great prediction for bad boy Booker, although I do think that he's probably going to wind up attacking uh, attacking Biden. I do think that Tulsi Gabbard's going to come for Harris. Tulsi Gabbard does have a groundswell of support on the progressive side. It is the progressives that are most annoyed with uh, uh, Kamala Harris. So I think if someone's going to call Kamala Harris a cop, It's going to be Tulsi Gabbard, and it'll be uh, under the guise of, hey, look, we are both women of color, so I think what you did to Joe Biden was bad. And if you really want to talk about a poor civil rights record, let's talk about all the black people you put in jail when you were the uh, 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 attorney general of California. So there we go. My three predictions. Yang breaks the fourth wall. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Joe. And Tulsi Gabbard comes for Kamala Harris. Lead pipe locks, baby. Hey, here's something that I'm curious to see will get brought up tonight because it sure as hell wasn't brought up last night. Robert Mueller. When I told you this thing was done last week, I meant it was done. If it's not getting talked about during the 2020 uh, debates literally right after it happens, then... Understand that this car is out of gas. Sometimes it's the dogs that don't bark, and this one was loud as hell. If it's not going to be something that you're talking to the 2020 candidates it's about, then it has no projected worth going forward. Remember, friends, there is no power but future power, and when it comes to the Mueller report, we are fresh out. Here is something that these candidates should be talking about. The money machine that Donald Trump has assembled. Remember that Donald Trump had way less money in the bank than Hillary Clinton when he won in 2016. That will not be the case in 2020. There were a couple very interesting stories that have come out over the last few days. One from Axios talking about all the uh, funding that the Trump PACs have raised, $17.8 million—for uh, for all these PACs. Specifically, the PAC America First Action and America First Policies. Raised $17.8 million. Now that is, look, $17.8 million is never something to scoff at. But, I mean, that's in the, like, tertiary fundraising arm, uh, a year and change before the election. Meanwhile, Politico had a very interesting article about Trump's, quote, brilliant and sinister merchandising operation. They are meme machines over there on the Donald Trump merchandise arm up to and including something that sold out a pack of 10 Donald Trump branded plastic straws among the other things that they've sold a uh, pencil neck Adam Schiff t-shirts which by the way bear a very striking resemblance to the barstool sports. Uh, a clown Roger Goodell shirt, like in tone and in illustration, uh, which I mean, just reveals a very, very interesting Venn diagram of who exactly they're selling to. And anytime there was any kind of cultural dust up, last uh, uh, while the Colin Kaepernick stuff was going on, they were selling Stand for America football jerseys when Nike. Uh, Pulled their Betsy Ross flag shoes. They started selling a Betsy Ross flag t-shirt. It's a fascinating machine. And one that has brought in a lot of money for Donald Trump. So something to watch out for. Or they could not. All these 2020 Democrats could completely ignore what Donald Trump is doing and be better for it. Wrong! Oh, well, in that case, it's probably time for a debate themed version of the. Wrong! Wrong! Wrong, wrong, wrong! Hurry! Wrong, Parade of wrong, opinions. Hey, as it turns out, Mayor Pete isn't really ready for prime time. Oh, wait. Here we go. No, he's ready for prime time. Uh, uh, Aside from the fact that apparently he had a smashed bug on his face. I don't know if I buy that. He had a really, really good debate. There was a moment in which he was was able to kind of get across... Something that I don't think anybody has ever successfully, successfully been able to do on the national stage. I mean, you saw it with AOC, but really effectively brand himself the I'm ready for this millennial politician. That I am change, but I am change you can count on. A military man, I've already uh, stepped into uh, government, but, but now we need to no longer deal with all the old guard. We need to start looking forward. Mayor Pete had a good debate. The biggest moment that he had was on gun control. He said, we don't need all the pie in the sky old ideas we've been talking about since I was in high school. Subtle way to remind everybody he's young. We need to take these concrete steps right now. Now, that's an interesting position because basically he is saying, hey, let's take a more moderate path. But he's doing it in kind of a bold way. Uh, uh, in saying, look, we've been talking about all this other stuff forever, and maybe we get to it, maybe we don't, but let's do what we can now. The conversation then went around. Everybody rehashed the same ideas the people have been saying forever, and it came back to Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete said, hey, we just talked about all the same old ideas again. Didn't I just say that before? It was an effective moment for him. All right, we are definitely going to need 20 podiums for the next debate. Wrong! Guys, he's coming. Yeah, he's coming. He's coming for a lot of these people. The campaign undertaker will be busy in the next month. We have very aggressive new debate floors. They require a lot of individual donors. This isn't an either or. You have to both cross the individual donor threshold and you need to cross uh, the polling threshold, which this time is 2% in Four qualifying polls, and we'll get into even thinner uh, how those qualifications go in a second. But it is time to die for a lot of these campaigns. And that'll be time for the campaign undertaker to do his dirty work. hey you want to know who really captured my imagination last night i would say it's your old boy tim ryan wrong this is a clip from my debate live stream last night uh, wherein tim ryan was bringing to a close his final debate performance are going to be looking at this debate and saying well who captured the left lane and who captured the center lane and who's the, who captured the moderate lane I hope tonight at some level I captured your imagination <laughs> your imagination about what this country could be like if we united if we put together real policy uh, play the curb your enthusiasm right, but new theme and better that's how we win the future it's new and better a new and better economy a new and better education system a new and better healthcare system that focuses on prevention, an education system that focuses on Andrew Yang is going to qualify for the next debate. Wrong! At least for now. He went out on CNN and a bunch of television networks before the debate last night and said that he had officially qualified, or at least that was according to what he believed the DNC rules were. He had four polls that had been previously singled out by by the DNC. That showed him polling at 2%. He had previously crossed the individual donor threshold. But then the DNC sends a letter to all the campaigns saying, well, it's not just that you have to have four different polls that show you polling at 2%. They have to be from different polling apparatuses. So... The fact that Andrew Yang showed a poll from NBC Survey Monkey twice, now two different polls, right, but that they were both from NBC Survey Monkey means that he still has one more to go. Now, the DNC has said that the reason they put that in was so you weren't just benefiting from the fact that you were oversampled in one poll or one like methodology, uh, and then they just put out four polls, so now you 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 only have uh the ability to qualify because one group oversampled you. But still that feels a little dirty for the Yang Gang. I think they're still going to uh, qualify but but they are a fledgling campaign and they're trying to play by the rules and by the way they're gonna they're they're very close to being on the other edge of this chopping block that's been very aggressive but you want to know what a candidate like yang never got hurt by uh, ginning up support because the man was trying to hold him down but are the people holding him up Mm, that's what we're gonna find out in this edition of the poll dance but before we get there Well, there's some folks who didn't make it in. So, Yang, not now. Not now. You're not here now in this Ohio pole dance. But you, O'Rourke, Booker, Gabbard, Castro, Klobuchar, Steyer, and Ryan, I'm sorry, but... I don't see how you can hate from outside of the club. You can't even get in. Oh, yeah. This is a Quinnipiac poll taken from July 17th to the 22nd for the great state of Ohio for So It Goes, So Goes the Nation in this edition of the... Get on the floor if you got that booty. Oh! Stepping up first to the stage with 6% of respondents saying that they would be, that he would be their first choice for president, it is Mayor Pete Booty Judge. Stepping up next to the stage with 13% of the vote in the great state of Ohio. She is E. Elizabeth Warren! Tied for second place. We go first with the senior senator from Vermont, Bernie Sanders! The senator from California is next to the stage. Also with 14%, it is Kamala Harris! But you're far and away, headliner. Big, big lead for Big Joe Midas. That is Buttigieg six, Warren thirteen, Harris fourteen, Sanders fourteen, and Joe Biden with thirty one. Early poll in the pivotal state of Ohio. Politics. What do you say we go ahead and get into? But. You can send me an email, theyoungamerican@gmail.com. Again, theyoungamerican@gmail.com. Mike writes in after the debate, Pete has my vote now. Also, Liz said one of the dumbest things, paraphrasing, the U.S. shouldn't be the first nation to use a nuclear weapon preemptively. Um, we're the only country to use them preemptively. Also, also, Bernie is done. He never answered a direct question, always changed the subject to fit what he wanted to talk about. Down with old white people is included. Now, uh, I don't, I mean, th- that gets into the question of, like, is it preemptive if you're already in the middle of a world war? I would, uh, uh, you know, I was joking around with uh, Warren's wording last night that it's like, oh, we don't you know, want to be the first person to do something. It's like, yeah. No, we wouldn't be the first to use a nuclear weapon. We'd be the third. Now we're also the first and second, but we wouldn't be the third because we definitely dropped two bombs on Japan. As for Bernie, uh never asked answering a direct question, look, that debate shaped up about as well as it could for Bernie. Bernie has a problem being the front runner because he he's got a very, very, very well polished. And I know when I say act, it makes it seem like it's disingenuous, but I don't mean that. I mean, like, a a, a stump speech. He's got a message. He's got emotional moments that he knows he needs to hit because that's how you communicate a political message. But he's been working that for decades and decades. And so once he gets to the mountaintop and everyone's looking at him to say, like, okay, cool, we're here. What next? He doesn't really have a what next. It's like, no, just listen to everything that I've been saying for decades. All that. You know, I don't know. You can press rewind, I guess. But when everyone's fighting him, he doesn't have to talk about the future. He can talk about why his ideas are solid, which he's great at. Like, this was an ideal situation for Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, although Elizabeth Warren does not have the same problem. Like, she's got a million different ideas that she loves to talk about. Sean writes, I was listening to the 538 podcast today, and if you find an article about uh, support of public option for all versus Medicare for all, the vintage Simpsons treehouse of horrors, abortion for all, boo, abortions for some, tiny flags for all meme would be fantastic. My significant other is a doctor in residency. Neither of us can come to a conclusion about health insurance. I have a friend whose wife works for an insurance company. She would lose her job uh, with full public health care. Another friend is a ER doctor. His job would be more secure with a public option because the hospital would always be paid. Drexel just closed a hospital because of costs. Nobody has a good answer to the gigantic convoluted situation. Everyone deserves insurance coverage, but we can't put people on the street as a result. I mean, Sean, welcome to hell. Just another pilot uh, writes in, Office union uh, MFers and their NRLA quick acting as ten act in settlements. I wish the NMB. All right. So this was all about the Bernie Sanders campaign getting rung up on uh, National Labor Board charges because somebody anonymously filed to the uh, Labor Relations Board uh, that somebody in the Bernie Sanders campaign was discouraging unionization. Right. So they're a watchdog group for that. So just another pilot wrote in this gigantic alphabet soup thing So if you get it, if you get it, if you don't, don't worry about it I wish the NMB or the RLA would act as quick I mean, damn in just, 20, in just 2013, my little shop had 108 formal, formal grievances with 140 total carryover that we fit neatly into late 2014 contract negotiations, with, which ended in labor dissatisfaction without harm being reversed except for 14 disciplined wrongful termination cases to move negotiating forward. The Section 6 cases alone were illegally targeted and abrogated just to process the FTR wouldn't be brought up by the employees described. This Meta Dive has been brought to you by just another pilot. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. Well, thank you. All right. Uh, We're a little shorter today, but we had the debate recap show last night. We're going to have the debate recap show tonight. So you have plenty of uh, stuff to enjoy on the podcast feed. I want to thank some of the guys who make this show possible, including Paul, Mike, and Brad. They are supporting us at the $10 level at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Head on over there right now if you would like to uh, to join their ranks. and get shouted out at the end of the show. You can always email us, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Music has been provided by Valesco and Trap Killers. And you can follow me at Justin Young everywhere. A reminder, you can talk politics 24-7 with our community at our Discord. That is bit.ly slash jurydiscord, J-U-R-Y-D-I-S-C-O-R-D. It's for all my shows, but the politics section is always active. Until next time, friends, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying, politics has three names, and I saw a show the other day that was talking about politics, and I was watching one right after the debates that was talking about politics, and I heard a podcast the other day that was talking about politics, but this is the show, the only show that talks about all.